Okay, well, if you have your Bibles here this morning, you are welcome to, uh, to take them out, get them ready. You can turn so long to Matthew chapter number 5 uh, and verse 21 is where we're going to start this morning. But before we get there, I wanted to introduce to you our, our very new series that we will be starting today. Um, and this series is called Righteous, all right? Righteous. I want to talk about righteousness I want to talk about how we become righteous, what is righteousness, how do we live in righteousness. There's many different ideas that go around uh, this thinking of the term righteous and what it takes to be righteous and stay righteous. And, um, and it's actually something that I have found uh, a lot of people struggle with. A lot of people struggle. This is the key issue in your faith. This is the key issue in your faith. And what you believe about your righteousness and what you believe about your standing with God will determine if and how you serve Him. It will determine how you stand in relationship with Him. It will determine how you worship on a Sunday morning. It will determine how you go to work on a Monday. It will determine how you love your family. It will determine how you approach difficult times and seasons in your life. Well, your understanding of your righteousness literally affects everything about how you relate to God. It is so critical, and we've just finished a series called The Blueprint, looking at God's vision for your life, and God wants to activate you to walk in everything that He has prepared for you. All the good works that the Bible says before you were even born, God set out for you to do. He wants you to walk in those things, but if you have a misunderstanding or a misappropriation of righteousness, you'll never be able to truly walk in, in boldness and confidence regarding your calling. And so I felt like this was the, the perfect next thing for us to go on to. We know, okay, God has called us. We know that He has set out a plan for us. We know that He has good works for us to walk in, and He wants to, us to finish the race. He wants us to finish it strong. He wants us to fulfill every bit of His calling on our lives. But why do we see so many people struggle to simply walk in what God has called them to do? And I believe that it's when they fail to understand their righteousness in Christ and how it gets imputed and, and appropriated to our life. So I'm going to talk a little bit about this theme for a few weeks called righteous. And, um, and I don't know if any of you have ever made an excuse. Have you ever made an excuse as to why you can't do something? I'm sure we've all done it. You know, you get invited to that birthday party that you really don't want to go to, or you get, uh, uh, you know, you, 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 you are asked to do something, you get involved in some area, and you're just like, oh, I just really can't, I don't have the time, or I'm busy, or you phone your, your boss on a Monday morning uh, after you've had a crazy weekend, and you're just like, I am sick, I'm so sick, I'm literally dying, I've already phoned the ambulance, they're on their way. They're medivacking me out of here. They've got the heli. I can hear the helicopter right now. Sorry, we're breaking up. It's the helicopter is messing with the interference. I'm about to be sick. And then you're lying there at home, and after about 20 minutes, you're like, I actually feel fine. And then you think to yourself, could I go to the mall? And what are the chances of me being seen if I went to the mall, right? And you turn your sick day into a great day out, you know. And, but you're but you're always weary. You're always suspicious. And and so we've all made excuses, and we all know how our excuses can catch up with us sometimes, and, um, and, and you often have to, have to kind of worm your way out of things. And it seems like, and I see this all over Scripture, whenever God called someone, in most cases, it doesn't matter now in hindsight, we know when we speak about someone like Moses, we're like, wow, 
I mean, this guy that there's so much in the Bible about this great man called Moses. There's so much in the Bible about uh, the prophets like Isaiah or the prophets like Jeremiah or, or so many of, of just the men that God used in a great way. But if you go back to the beginning, you know, when they, when they, they started from the bottom, now they're here. You know, they, they, they started out down there. I mean, you, everybody had a place that they started at. Even though we now know them as, as Moses and, and David, and we know these weren't perfect people, but we know God used them to do incredible things. But if we go back for most of them to their first moment where God called them, what did they do? They made excuses. They made excuses. They, they made up reasons why they couldn't do the stuff that God himself was calling them to do. And I mean, sometimes you feel that God is calling you to do something in your heart or you hear me uh, or Chris or one of the other leaders here say something on a Sunday morning saying, hey, God has called you. And, and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if I'm really ready to walk in my calling. I don't really know. And, and you kind of start to, and, and that's one thing to kind of have an excuse when, when, when I'm asking you to get involved. But, uh, but can you imagine like being Moses and there's literally, there's a burning bush, a bush that's got fire on it, but it's not burning, talking to me. It's talking to me, this fire. And I know it's the voice of God. And even then, I still decide to come up with an excuse. So God calls Moses. He says, Moses, I want you to go into Egypt. I want you to speak to Pharaoh. I want you to, to set, I'm calling you to set the people of Israel free. And Moses says, I, I don't speak well. I, I, you know, I stutter and I, and I have a problem communicating. How am I going to go and speak to one of the most powerful men in the world, even though I kind of grew up with him? How am I going to go and talk to Pharaoh if I can't even talk properly? He finds a reason why he is incapable of doing what God has called him to do. He makes an excuse. Isaiah finds himself in Isaiah 6 in the throne room of God. And he hears God saying, who will we send? Who will go for us? Who will we send as a prophet to the nations? And Isaiah says, I can't. I'm a man of unclean lips. I, you know, I, I, I've done things wrong and, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips, which he's speaking about. I'm, he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinful person. My life isn't perfect. How am I supposed to go and prophesy your words when I've used the same mouth to curse uh, those that I love and to, and to speak bad things? And how can God use me with this mouth to do what he's called me to do? He's overwhelmed by just a sense of, of sin. So he's like, not me. Not me. I can't help you. We see it with Jeremiah. We, we've looked at this text in the last few weeks where uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1, God calls him. He says, as a young man, God calls him and says, I have appointed you. And, and Jeremiah just goes, but God, I'm, in his words, I'm a youth. I'm just a young guy. I'm just an early 20-something. How can you use me to go and be a prophet to the nations? Excuse after excuse after excuse. And we can so easily now sit and analyze the situation of these men and go, wow, but you know, they should have had more faith and they should have. But then when, when, when we as a church get up and we say, hey, we want you to get involved. We want you to start giving your, your part of your life, just, just, just giving your heart and soul to what God has called you to be a part of and pursuing that reason for which Christ has pursued you. And, and, and come on, don't be held back. Don't, don't, don't waver, don't hesitate. Just get in. Just do what God's called you to do. He's put a calling on your life. Every single one of us, we kind of do the same thing as those guys. Ah, but God, I'm, I'm young. When I'm older, when I'm older, I'll do it. 
or I'm, I'm older, I should have done it when I was young. Now it's too late, I'm, I'm past that time now. Or maybe you say something like, well, God, I, I don't have much to give, or God, I'm not eloquent in this way, or God, I don't pray enough, or I'm not holy enough. And through the journey, one of the one things, big things that I've become aware of as we've started a church is just exactly how many people constantly struggle with this. It's come up again and again and again and again when we want guys to serve, when we want guys to get baptized, when we want guys to get involved, when we want guys just to come on a Sunday. Do you know that there are people not here this morning because they believe they're not good enough to be here? This morning, I can give some names of people who are absent because they have an incorrect understanding of righteousness and how we are made righteous. This is a critical area for us to have faith in and to understand and to believe with all of our hearts. Otherwise, we'll be stuck making excuses. If you've ever asked yourself the question, who am I that God would use me? Does God know my background? Does God know my family? Does God know that I don't really come from a Christian background? Does God know that my parents weren't believers? Does God know that I know so little about the Bible? Does God know that maybe I was raised as a Christian, but I I rebelled against everything that I was ever taught as a child? Does God know what's going on in my heart and mind? And the answer to that question is, yes, he does. Yes, he does. But he says, like he said to Jeremiah, he says, don't say that. Because before you were born, I consecrated you and appointed you. Before you were born, I had a plan for you. I know what I'm doing is what God's saying to us this morning. So what is righteousness? What does it mean to be righteous? I actually did what most pastors do when they, when they do something like this, when they uh, do a topic like this, is that I went to the dictionary and just wanted to see how does the dictionary define righteous? I know how the scripture defines it, but how does the dictionary, how do people actually view the meaning of being righteous or, or righteousness? And I found that what the dictionary says is actually how a lot of people misunderstand. The dictionary gives the classic misunderstanding of righteousness. So if you go to any kind of human intellectual understanding of righteousness, what it essentially says in the dictionary, and you can go check this later, it says being morally right or justifiable. Being righteous means that you're morally correct. You're morally right. There's a situation that occurred, there was an ethical dilemma, and you selected the one that was morally correct, so you are a righteous person. It's okay, it's redeemable. I'll grab that pen. For a lot of people, that's how they understand being righteous, and that's why they never truly feel righteous, is because they go, it's about making the right decisions all of the time. It's about being morally correct. In other words, I never make mistakes. I never sin. I never fall. I never err. I'm, I'm morally correct all of the time. Everything that I do is squeaky clean and, uh, and, and morally justifiable. And if I can do that consistently over a long period of time, then I'm righteous. But here's the problem. No one can do that consistently all of the time. No one can do it. I heard somebody say, if you want to know just how bad you are, try very hard to be good. Try very hard to be good. That's when you'll find out how bad you are. 
How many of you have ever tried that? Kind of been like on a Monday morning, this week is going to be my best week ever. This week, I'm not going to fight with anybody. I'm going to love people. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bless those who curse me, and I'm going to pray for my enemies. I'm going to, I'm going to give everything I have to, to, to just live a great week this week. I'm going to read the Bible more than ever. We kind of do this. Normally, the 1st of January is a good time. We've got that coming up. You're kind of like, I'm changing my life from tomorrow. How long does it last? We cannot consistently overcome our own sinfulness. In our own strength. In fact, we can never do it. We cannot do it. The weight of it is too much. It's, it's what it means by going up against the law. You know, there's, there's laws uh, of science, laws of, 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 the, of the universe that God has set in place. Physical laws. And there's the law of God that He gave to Israel. And He said to them, I want you to try and fulfill this. I want you to try and see... How, if you're good enough to be righteous on your own. But the problem with the law is it's relentless. So if I said to you that I'm going to withstand the law of gravity right now by holding my Bible up in the air, right? There's gravity on my Bible and it's pushing down, it's pushing my Bible down towards the ground, but I'm holding it up. So you can say that I am resisting this law. I am I'm able to, to uphold this law. The problem, however, is I can do it now while I'm speaking to you for a couple of minutes. But in a few minutes from now, uh, I'm going to start to feel a bit of a burn here on the bottom side of my arm. I'm already starting to feel it in my hand as I hold this up right now. So the point is, is that even though I can, I can uphold the law for brief periods at a time, if I had to try and hold this up for an hour or for two hours, for three hours, or for four hours, or for five hours, if I had to try and hold this up until you all came back again next Sunday, there would be one of those medivac helicopters coming to fetch me, right? Because I cannot do it. The law is relentless, but my strength wanes. It weakens. It dissipates. And that's how some of your relationship has been like with God. I'm going to do this, God. I'm going to do it, God. I'm going to do it, God. Okay, God, I'll try again on Monday, right? I, I just, it's too much. It's too much. I'm going to uphold my righteousness. I'm going to do everything you call me to do, God. And then you try and uphold it. You try and uphold it. And you realize something. You realize that you're weak. You realize that you're a sinner. You realize that without Jesus, you do not have the strength or the ability, and you never will have to be righteous. So what we do is, instead of trying to uphold the whole law of God, and the Bible says that if you break one law, you're guilty of all of them. If you're going to try and live by the law, you break one, you're guilty. You're done, right? Just one. You tell one lie, you do one thing wrong, you have one selfish matter, and it's done. But So what people do is they become selective about which ones they're good at, right? Which ones am I good at? Which laws can I uphold really well? Hey, I don't have an issue with alcohol, so that's my righteousness. I'm righteous because I don't drink alcohol. But hey, what about the other 1,452 things that you do wrong? No, but I don't drink alcohol, so I'm righteous. Right? Or hey, I don't have an issue with lust in my life. I know other guys do, and I know other women do, but I don't have an issue with lust in my life. But what about the other things that you have in your life? 
And so if we went through our lives and we got really, really honest, we'll find out that even though we may do some things right, and we try and base our righteousness on those things, we're actually being dishonest about all the other things that we know we're not doing right. And that's how people base their, 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 their righteousness. Like, well, if righteousness is acting morally, then let me find the thing I'm very good at acting morally about, and then let me judge others in my area of strength. Have you noticed how we do that? Like if you struggle with something, you don't ju judge someone else who struggles with the same thing. But if you're strong in an area and you find somebody else, you're just like, I just don't get how they do that. I just don't get how people do stuff like that. It's called being self-righteous. We're self-righteous and we're liars. We lie to ourselves. We convince ourselves that that's all we need. And as I said in the beginning, this is the major thing that keeps us from wholeheartedly serving God. Why do some people always just stay on the fringes? It's because of this issue. They never really give their hearts. They never really get involved. They, they never really become a part of the life of the church for this reason. They have the sense of unworthiness or rebellion. It's either I'm not good enough or I don't need it. It's one of the two. Either way, you're a law unto yourself. I'll just do it the way I want to do it. I don't need the church to speak into my life. I don't need people to help me figure this out. I'll just do it on my own. The problem is, is that when we read, when we, when we feel that unworthiness, when we feel that shame, when we feel that, when we start to get honest with ourselves about just how flawed we are, and we begin to sense that, that shame over our lives, Essentially what we're doing is we're, we're only reading the first chapter of the book. Have any of you ever done that? Opened up a book, read the first chapter, and it didn't kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit, I'm a lot like this. If the first chapter doesn't grip me, I'm like, ah, I'll read it later, which means never, right? You open up, you read the first chapter, you're like, it's, it wasn't a great chapter. I, I don't know if I want to you know, sift through the rest of this book. But many of the greatest books ever written don't start out as the greatest books ever written. Many of them have a slow start or, or it takes time to get into the meat of what it's saying. And if you give up too early, you'll miss out on it. That's what people do. They only feel the unworthiness and that's chapter one of a very big book that God has written. There's so much that came after that first initial sense of unworthiness. And we're gonna look a little bit at that today and in the coming weeks. Chapter one, your unworthiness, is basically what God is trying to get you to understand. He, he does want you to read chapter one. He does want you to know that you're unworthy. He does want you to know that without him, that you're not righteous. He does want you to understand that you are sinful apart from him, that you're a rebel. And some people lie to themselves and go, no, no, I'm good because I do these good things, but God wants us to know that we're all rebels at heart. That's chapter one. And there's hope in this. There's honesty in this. So now let's go to Matthew chapter number five. I mentioned it about 30 minutes ago, but let's go to Matthew chapter number five and verse 21. And I'm gonna look at a time where Jesus gets up to preach a message. And in this message, Jesus begins to mention the law. 
And he begins to draw a parallel or, or to, to connect what his view is, what his heart is, to what the law declared. Okay? So we're going to look at it. He starts off Matthew 5, 21. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount because he sat on a mountainside when he, when he gave the sermon. And it says uh, in verse 21, it says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago. Now, when Jesus says that, he is talking about the law. The law was given to Israel when they came out of Egypt after Moses eventually listened and uh, God helped them out by sending his brother Aaron along. Um, they got the people out of Egypt and then God calls Moses and he says, now I want to show you my standard of holiness. My standard of holiness. I don't know if you remember being a kid and going to a theme park and there being you know, something saying, you've got to be this tall to go on this ride. Have you, you remember those? Like now, you know, we just dominate. As adults, we just walk past like, ha I'm taller, finally. Uh, but for years, it was a thing. Why don't I measure up? Um, and so maybe, maybe just for me. But, um, but for, for us, well, for, for Israel and for, for even in our lives, what God does is he says, this is my standard. This is how tall you need to be to go on this ride. This is how you need to measure up. And God puts the law, 613 laws of Moses, he gives them and he says, this is how I need you to be if you're going to be good enough to make yourself righteous. This is how tall you need to be. And so people tried. You know the Ten Commandments very well. The Ten Commandments were the, were the ten most important uh, laws, but there were many different ceremonial laws and, and all kinds of laws that, uh, that, that, that God gave to Israel to try and be righteous. And God gave this with a very specific purpose. We're going to look at that in a moment. But now Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder. So Jesus starts quoting the law. Okay, don't murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. So you know that murder is wrong and that you shouldn't kill people. And if you do, there is judgment that awaits you from God. But then Jesus says this, but I tell you. And in this passage, he keeps doing that. He goes, you have heard that it was said, but I say, I'm telling you today. He goes, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Hang on a minute, not just killing, but anger towards someone. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, some of you, need, some of you have been saying Raka to each other, and you need to stop. Raka is answerable to the court. All right, Raka was, uh, was just a demeaning term, name calling. Anyone who says you fool would be, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Jesus just took this to a next level. Not just killing, but do you have anger in your heart? Do you, do you have resentment towards people? We're going to look at verse 27 as well. Just go to that next slide. Verse 27 says, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
And Jesus goes on. He just goes on. You have heard that it was said that you should do this, but I say that it's like this. And he just, he continues going case after case after case after case. He goes, you've heard that it is said that, that, that you should, if you're going to get divorced, give your wife a certificate of divorce. But I say anyone who divorces except for sexual immorality is basically leading uh, themselves and their wife into adultery. And he, 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 Jesus just takes this whole thing to a next level. He takes the law and he goes deeper with it. Not just don't steal, but don't be jealous. Not just don't murder, but don't be angry. Not just don't commit adultery, but don't lust in your heart. And what Jesus is proving again here, he does it again and again and again, that what he really cares about is not just how you can prevent bad actions on the outside, but how you can have a changed heart. This is one more opportunity where Jesus goes, it's not just about did you kill someone or didn't you? Technically, are you guilty or are you not? It's about what is actually happening inside of your heart. What's happening in your heart? Jesus wants our righteousness not to be an external righteousness of I've done these 10 things right, but a righteousness that comes from within. What does your heart look like? Because you can act amazingly well we can all pretend very well but but God looks at what's happening in our hearts and that's where he wants us to be righteous that's the stuff that separates us from God did you know that it's not just the stuff on the outside it's the stuff on the inside that separates us from God in Matthew 15 verse 10 Jesus had this this argument with the Pharisees about what's right and what's wrong. And then he calls everybody together. He says, it says, and he called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand. You kind of see Jesus is serious. If anybody starts, it sounds like a parent speaking to his kids. Hear now, listen to me now and understand, right? What I'm about to say to you is important. He says, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of a mouth, this defiles a person. And Jesus goes on in the scripture, he goes, for from the heart comes evil desires and sexual immorality and pride. And, 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 and he continues, and he drunkenness and lewdness and all of these things, they come from within a man's heart and they defile him. When Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, he used some strong language. He's like, you guys just do everything great, don't you? You're just so perfect. He says this to them very straight, very poignant statement. Jesus goes, you're like whitewashed tombs. You're beautifully white on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. I want to talk about what's happening in your heart. Are you truly righteous? I want to talk about what are you experiencing in your heart? And our hearts, the Bible says, are so deceitful that the first person they deceive is us. Our own hearts deceive us. They'll actually convince us that, no, 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 we're okay. I'm doing great. I'm a good person. So that's why chapter one of the book, chapter one of what God wants us to understand is to understand the fact that we are not righteous in ourselves. That we truly are God-hating rebels and sinners and people who would run the opposite direction of God every single opportunity. God wants us to understand that, point one. Because if you don't know that you're a sinner, you won't look out for a savior. You won't cry out for a savior. 
You'll just go on trying to save yourself. And so this is why God gave Israel the law to make them conscious of their own sin. Let me explain it to you this way. On the weekend, um, Eli and I were looking for something in our house and we couldn't find it anywhere. And so we decided just a great place to always look, even if you weren't using the thing you're looking for in that room, is under the couch because anything could be under the couch at any one point in time, right? That's just how life works. So, so I said to him, we have to look under the couch. And I said to him, come, I'll lift it and then he can look. And he said to me, no, 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 he wants to lift it. He wants to lift it. And I said, but boy, you, can't, you won't be able to lift it. It's too heavy. I've got to lift it, and then you can look. And he said, no, no. And he was adamant, I'm going to lift it. I'm going to lift it. So, so I said this. I said, okay, lift it. Lift it. Goes on his knees. And he tries to lift it. Makes all kinds of sounds, just trying to lift this couch so bad. And no matter how hard he tries, he just can't lift it. So he doesn't want to give up yet. He doesn't want to give in and admit defeat yet. So he just keeps trying different angles, goes around the side, tries to pick it up from this side, goes to that, tries to pick it up on that side. But whatever he does, he cannot lift this couch. It's just too heavy for him. And eventually he kind of gives up and he goes, okay, fine, you lift it, right? That is exactly what God does with us. God, I'm a good person. I can do this. I can be righteous. I can live right. No, you can't. God, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray hard. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to read my Bible. Just give me a chance, God. I'll show you I can do this. Okay, do it. Be righteous. Here's my holy standard. Here's what you need to do. This is how heavy the couch is. Can you lift this, right? These are the laws. Can you do it perfectly all the time? I can do it, God. I can do it. Then we try. Oh, God, I messed up. But don't worry. I'll try another angle. God, I messed up. Uh, don't worry, God. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get on my knees this time. Hopefully that'll, that'll do it and I'll, I'll be able to lift this. And after trying and trying and trying and continually failing to be truly righteous, we give up and we say, God, I can't. And he goes, I know. That's what I was trying to tell you. Now let me lift it. Let me do it. Do you understand how this works? God is not asking you to lift the couch. He's asking you to get your hands off the couch so that he can lift it for you. He's trying to show you that you cannot carry the weight of your own righteousness. You're not righteous. You're not strong enough in your own strength. He has to do it for you. Does that make sense this morning? Come on. Paul starts in the book of Romans. And for the first three chapters, this is what he's doing in this major argument. He's convincing people that they're sinners. I just want you to know whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Greek, whether you're a Gentile. Hey, guess what? We all see creation, don't we? I'm really, this is a massive paraphrase. But he goes, hey, we all see creation, don't we? Do you think this just popped out of nowhere? No, there's a God. You know you're guilty. Hey, have you tried to be good according to your own conscience? If you didn't know there was the law of God and what God said was right and wrong and you just lived according to your own conscience. Could you do it? He says that to people. He goes, even you that decided for yourself was right and wrong. Could you stick to your own standard? <laughs> or did you fail yourself in what you had decided was right and wrong? Yeah, you're guilty. Then he goes on and he goes, and if you knew God's law and you judge others for not practicing, yet at the same time, you do the very thing that you're judging others for. Yeah, you're guilty. You're guilty. And he comes to the end of this first opening bit of Romans, Romans 3 verse 19, I want to read it to you this morning. 
And in Romans 3 verse 19, it says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. All right, just stop there for a moment. We can keep that scripture up there. Now we know that the law speaks to us who are under the law. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. Why did God give us right and wrong? So that every mouth may be stopped. In other words, if you had an excuse about how you were going to work harder and be better, and whatever, basically the law tells you, hey, 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 shut up. Keep quiet. You're not good. I'm good. I'm good. Hey, hey, shush. Just shush. You're not. That's essentially what the law does, right? I'm going to be good. Okay, have you followed the Ten Commandments today? Ah, not all of them. So shush, okay? okay? So every mouth would be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Everybody knows that they're guilty. For by the works of the law, listen to this, no human being will be justified in God's sight. There is nothing that you can do, no law that you can work, no amount of obedience that you can show that will justify you in the sight of God. Since through the law, what comes through the law? Why did God give us the law? Comes the knowledge of sin. He made us aware of the fact that we are sinners through the law. I know that I'm going into... uh, Some deeper teaching this morning, but it is so critical for us to understand this. So stick with me if you can. Charles Spurgeon says, grace puts its hand on the boasting mouth and shuts it once and for all. (laughs) The grace of God puts its hand on the boasting mouth. You realize that the only way we can be made righteous is by grace. If God did it for us, if he lifted the couch for us and not through our own ability. So whatever you thought you were going to stand before God and say, hey, God, I did this well. You know what grace does? It shuts that mouth. It puts its hand on the boasting mouth. It says, no, it's not you. It's not you. So we cannot be made righteous, that scripture says, by keeping the law. You don't, you're not right with God by rule keeping. The only thing that the law does is it makes you conscious of your sin and the law of God has been written on your heart in the New Testament. So when we sin, you can make excuses, but you know in your heart what's right and wrong. So Jesus gets up on this mountain that we read in Matthew 5 and he starts preaching. And he says, you've heard that the law said, don't murder, but I say, don't even be angry in your heart towards someone. And I can just imagine the people sitting there listening to this going, okay, this is... You know, I can imagine them listening to Jesus going, oh, come on, Jesus. I mean, we've been working so hard to just keep those laws, just the external laws, just the rules. And now you're telling us that even that's not good enough. Come on, Jesus. How is anybody going to get saved? How's anybody going to get him? Basically, I, was just, I would have just been like, you know, when uh, there's a sports match and your team is losing and then the home team is losing and then like 90% of the people start walking out with 10 minutes to go, right? Mark did that. He watched the Springboks the other day in Twickenham and, uh, and he did that. He left early. Hey, Mark. Yeah, kind of. Okay, so, so I mean, you just, you just walk out. You're just like, it's over. It's done. I can imagine people being like that. Jesus is like, hey, it's not the righteousness uh, that comes according to what you do, but you've actually got to be righteous right down deep in your heart with every fiber you'll be. They're like, okay, we're done. Okay, it's a game over. We're all finished. Let's leave. Let's leave the stadium because there is no way that we are that righteous. Jesus just takes it to the next level. 
We've all failed, we know. We've all tried hard to follow the law. He says that even if you could follow the laws, you could do it with the wrong heart. Hey everybody, unfortunately due to some technical difficulties that we had on the day, we haven't been able to record the remainder of this message. But if you go ahead and click on the following week's message called Ascend, you'll find that we have done a complete recap of this message for you to get you up to speed in this brand new series of ours called Righteous. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy.